From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, thanks so much for tuning in for this Monday edition of Washington Watch. Coming up, the Biden administration set another record with the highest number of illegal border crossings ever recorded, over 2.3 million. No, the border is not secure. When you have 1.7 million individuals last year and then another 2.7, that's over 4.5 million individuals encounter at the border. Plus, the, if you add the getaways, that's going to be over 5 million individuals in just two years. That was Texas Democrat Congressman Henry Cuellar. The number included almost 100 foreign nationals that are on the terrorist watch list. So how many of those terrorists did not get caught and are now in the country? North Carolina Congressman Dan Bishop, a member of the House Homeland Security Committee, is here to discuss that in just a moment. Also, President Biden held a presidential forum with six liberal activists, including Dylan Mulvaney, a homosexual male who transitioned to a female earlier this year. He asked about states that are prohibiting surgeries on minors that cut off healthy body parts. Do you think states should have a right to ban gender-affirming health care? I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that. As a moral question and as a legal question. I just think it's wrong. Now, that's interesting. The president issued an executive order back in June that prevents those with gender dysphoria from getting certain kinds of help. What kind of help? Well, I have a clip that we're going to play a little bit later, so stick around. And the New York Times, in a brazen display of their alignment with the left, had a front-page story yesterday, and this is what it was entitled, Trump backers use devil terms to rally voters. Now, I'll be honest, it's really hard to believe that this is the same paper that 10 to 15 years ago I read every morning. This was such a blatant attack on conservative Republicans, 90% of whom are on this program, including Illinois Congresswoman Mary Miller. Now, this is one of the lines of attack on Mary, as they quoted her saying this, and this is straight from the article, quote, we're at war for the heart and soul of our country, she added, concluding Christ is on our side and we will prevail, end quote. Now, there was not one mention in this lengthy multi-page article of President Biden, who has said this so on so many occasions, I've lost count. This campaign isn't just about winning votes. It's about winning the heart and, yes, the soul of America. To overcome these challenges, to restore the soul and secure the future of America, requires so much more than words. A reminder that we remain in an ongoing battle for the soul of America. I ran for president because I believe we're in a battle for the soul of this nation. We remain in the battle for the soul of our nation. When I look around at all of you here today, I know we'll win that battle. We're in a battle for the soul of nature. True, he did not say Christ is on our side. I think he may have said we have the IRS and 87,000 new agents on our side. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, Congresswoman Mary Miller will join us later for that conversation. And governors are responding to the CDC's move last week, adding the COVID shot to the schedule of recommended vaccines for children. As long as I'm around and as long as I'm kicking and screaming, uh, there will be no COVID shot mandates for your kids. That is your decision to make as a parent. Uh, any questions? <laughs> that was Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. All right, we're going to delve deeper into the process that adds these vaccines to this recommended list. And we're going to look at the current scientific evidence that would justify mandating these shots for children with Dr. Robert Malone. He's chief medical and regulatory officer for the Unity Project. Now, I'll just say this up front. You want to make sure that you tune in and you listen to this conversation because the social media platforms may very well block your ability to hear it later, okay? The website, TonyPerkins.com. Lots of resources there for you, so be sure and check it out. Now, early voting is underway in many states. As we approach November the 8th, we have a great resource for you, a personalized voter guide. All you need to do, text the word GUIDE, G-U-I-D-E, to the number 67742. That's 67742. Follow the link 
Put in your address, and within seconds, literally seconds, you will get a personalized voter guide that rates the candidates based upon faith, family, and freedom issues. Again, the word guide, text the word guide to 67742. Thousands of people have already done it. You can get your own personalized voter guide. Text guide to 67742. Our word for today comes from 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 13 through 15. Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first, and bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry, until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and her and her household ate for many days. For three and a half years, the Lord provided for the prophet, this widow, and her son, and no doubt others whose eyes were upon God. You know, we're living in difficult days, and frankly, they may get even more challenging as our nation continues to reject God's truth. But God will provide for those whose hearts are after him and whose eyes are upon him. Do not fear. To be a part of our Bible reading plan, go to frc.org Bible. According to the U.S. Customs and Border Protection, the number of illegal crossings at our southern border has reached the highest level ever recorded in a fiscal year. A surge of 227,000 encounters last month brought the total for the 2022 fiscal year to more than 2.3 million. Now, for comparison, the total encounters in September of 2020 during President Trump's final year in office was 57,674 migrants. Now, polling consistently shows the border as one of the top three issues for swing voters. Now, how could this affect the midterm elections? Is that why the Biden administration is ignoring the issue? Joining me now to discuss this and much more is Congressman Dan Bishop. He is a member of the House Judiciary Committee and the House Homeland Security Committee. He represents North Carolina's 9th Congressional District. Congressman Bishop, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. I'm glad to have the chance to be with you again. Now, you've been very outspoken on the need to stop the chaos, uh, the chaos at the border. As a member of the House Homeland Security Committee, uh, what's the latest that you're hearing with these record numbers being set? Well, the first thing I'd say, Tony, is that they uh, delayed the data as long as they could to dump it on a Friday evening because they understand that the the debacle that they have created on a rolling basis has reached a crescendo or a, or a climax with this with this information. The the largest number of illegal crossings in the history of the country. And um, it it just gets worse and worse. In some ways, the American people have become numb to these numbers because they're so outlandish each and every month. And yet the American people also know, as they're preparing to move to this election day on November 8, that the administration is doing nothing to fix it, doesn't care to fix it, and apparently intends for this to go on indefinitely unless the American people decide to put a stop to it. Yeah, I I think you bring a very good point up is that we've talked about this so often that people become numb to these these record setting numbers. But something that kind of jarred my attention was that in looking through the the records that there was a record number of foreign nationals that were on the terrorist watch list that were caught uh, on the southern border. What do we know about that in terms of, all right, we know that 98 foreign nationals were caught. These were on the on the foreign uh, on the terrorist watch list. How many might have gotten through? What kind of individuals are these? How concerned should we be about national security? To be sure. And it's, you know, Tony, whether it's uh, 25 or 100 on that terror watch list, the terror watch list is not exclusive. We saw what happened before there ever was a terror watch list that 20 terrorists came into this country and wreaked the the destruction on 9-11. I sat on, very memorably sat across from Lindsey Graham on an airplane while we were stuck on the tarmac for some time recently, and I asked him about this, and he said, it's just a matter of time. Think about that. So, right, the terrorist watch list, not exclusive. 
We know that people are getting away from border, border patrol who they don't have the chance to check if they're on the terrorist watch list. And there are people, of course, who, are, who would do us harm. They're coming from every country virtually in the world. And the Biden administration's opened our border to let them in. And then Secretary Mayorkas will sit there in front of our committee and he'll tell us over and over again that the border is secure. He needs to be impeached soon. So the election is coming up. Um, if the Republicans retake the House and have a majority in the House, what type of activity could we see that could stem this flow? I mean, this is an executive function. This comes out of right. the, the, the White House, the executive branch. What can a Republican-controlled Congress do to, to, to protect our border? Well, you're correct to caution people first, Tony, that that doesn't mean that we'll take the White House or that we can then begin administering uh, border policy as it should be administered, as President Trump had very successfully done. But what we can do in the first instance is have very penetrating oversight where we dig into not only these numbers that we know about, but the policies that have been sort of behind the curtain, instructions that have been given to subvert American immigration law. Uh, I believe we ought to take on uh, oversight, as I've suggested, in a way that's unprecedented and creative and relentless so that we can show everything the American people need to know moving toward the ensuing election in 2024 when the American people have a very fundamental decision. Do they want to save the country before the wiping out of our border, the erasure of our border, dooms us to something we cannot possibly recover from? Uh, 2024 can't get here soon enough. Let me talk about, let me bring up another topic before we run out of time on the border. And it's the issue, I mean, we talked about crime. We've seen a number of uh, those that are here in the country illegally who have been involved in crimes. But this fentanyl situation where, according to some reports, a single largest uh, killer of uh, those between the ages of 18 and 45. Now, some dispute those numbers, but clearly it is a major problem with about 110,000 people dying last year. Are you confident that, and, and look, there's, there's, it's a supply and demand. As conservatives, we understand that when there is a demand, there'll be a supply. So we've got some issues here domestically. But do you think that we can, a part of addressing that crisis is cutting the flow off at the border? No doubt about it. And uh, the, it has been the wide open border has led is obviously I mean, the, the two are very related, Tony. And it, it, that's what I mean when I talk about things we may not be able to recover from the more people dying, uh, drugs flowing in. And, and it's a mass poisoning. I don't even think of it as a drug crisis as much as I think of it as a weapon of mass destruction. Chinese precursors manufactured in labs in Mexico sent across our border and by, and, and by tons of people who we don't even know are coming in. Yeah, you know, Congressman, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think it's accidental. I think there is a uh, there is more more behind this. And I do think it is a both. It is both addressing the supply and the demand. But I think the domestic policy of this administration that has created a moral and spiritual vacuum in this country is creating that demand. And I think that's something that we have to address, not not necessarily Congress, but Congress needs to provide the protections for the faith community to be able to address that. And that's something that's been an attack by this administration. We're going to have to leave it there. Always great to see you. Thanks so much for coming in and joining us uh, on this Monday. Thank you, Tony. Congressman Dan Bishop, great guy in, uh, in North Carolina. All right, stick with us. We're coming back with more after this break. Would you like to spend consistent time in God's Word? Then join Family Research Council on an exciting journey through the Bible. FRC's two-year Bible reading plan helps you to approach daily Bible reading intentionally. You will dive deeper into the nature of God and how His Word speaks into cultural issues of today. All wisdom comes from God, and He has given us the Bible as a way to understand the world. His Word is necessary in our lives, so much so that Christ said, we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. Start this adventure today with Family Research Council. When you sign up, we'll text you with daily passages and questions that help prepare you for conversations with your friends and family. To begin this journey, visit frc.org Bible. 
1 Peter 3.15 instructs us to always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for a reason for the hope that we have. The mission of FRC's online center for biblical worldview is to carry out that verse by training Christians to advance and defend the faith in their families, communities, and the public square, as now more than ever, we need to be grounded in the truth of God's word. The Center for Biblical Worldview provides amazing written resources for a wide range of relevant issues, including biblical stances on voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality. Each of these topics comes as a free downloadable PDF version, abbreviated version, and Spanish translation, along with a prayer guide. To access this written series or to sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldview's monthly newsletter, visit frc.org slash worldview. Did you know that from as early as 12 weeks, and certainly by 20 weeks, an unborn child can feel pain? Did you know the issue of pornography is growing among women? Did you know that pornography, sex trafficking, and abortion are all linked and on the rise across the globe? Issues such as pornography, human trafficking, drug legalization, and abortion are all violations of human dignity and have resulted in the devaluation of human life in our culture. Family Research Council stands firm on the principle that every life has value, ought to be respected, and has been designed for a unique purpose— Educate yourself on the harms of pornography, human trafficking, and abortion so that you can offer hope and help. Learn more at frc.org forward slash life. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us. As I mentioned, we've got a great resource for you with voting coming. In fact, uh, many states already in the middle of uh, early voting. You can get a personalized voter guide by texting the word guide, that's G-U-I-D-E, to 67742. Follow the links, put in your address, and within seconds you will have your own personalized voter guide based upon faith, family, and freedom issues. So you'll know where, whether these candidates are liberal, moderate, conservative. Again, so just text the word GUIDE to 67742. Yesterday, the New York Times decided to let us know that political polarization is bad and that it's Republicans who are driving the divide in this country. Now, even the most casual observer of the legacy media has witnessed the unhinged and often violent rhetoric of the left, including the president. You remember his speech there, his uh, Batman speech in Philadelphia? But according to the Times, it's not the left, but conservative politicians who are using what their experts have dubbed devil terms, which the Times claims, the Times claims stifle debate. Among the statements singled out by the Times was one by Illinois Republican Congresswoman Mary Miller, who tweeted, quote, Joe Biden's plan to flood our country with terrorists, fentanyl, child traffickers, and MS-13 gang members. If you loved America, you would not do this to the American people. Your number one priority would be to keep them safe, end quote. Actually, we were just talking about that very thing, uh, about what's happening at our southern border. You know, maybe it's just me, but Quite frankly, that not only sounds fine, it sounds very accurate. It's an accurate assessment of the situation at the southern border. Well, join me now to uh, discuss the New York Times hit piece and much more is Congresswoman Mary Miller, a member of the House Education and Labor Committee. She represents the 15th Congressional District of Illinois. Congresswoman Miller, welcome back to the program. Thank you for having me. Now, I have a lot to say about this article, but... I'm going to give you the first shot. Your reaction to be being singled out. You're you are the very in the very first sentence of this uh, lengthy New York Times hit piece. What do you make of it? Well, we're in a battle between good and evil, and I'm not afraid of them. They are expecting us to sit down and shut up. I'm not going to do that. Um, they want us to join them in denying reality, and I'm not going to do that either. So I don't know. Um, you know, I've taken 
opportunities to call our country to repent, to return to God, that we need to return to our Judeo-Christian values. I've been on um, press conferences where I've said that we are in trouble um, and we are bringing the wrath of God down on us. If you want to look at just how we treat children in our country, and so I don't know if that's behind it or if they think I'm an easy target, but you know, I'm not, I, I actually laughed about it. And the other thing that's funny is how few people that I've talked to read it because <laughs> they've made a mockery out of themselves. People don't even read their paper. Uh, I, I would uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. Uh, but I, I do want to point out something. I played this at the top of the program. Uh, you were one of the, one of the, uh, the, the, quotes that they pulled from you was this, and you basically just said it. You said, we are at war for the heart and soul of our country. And then they say you went on to say Christ is on our side and we will prevail. Now, I have a clip of President Biden, who they didn't mention in this piece. In fact, they just in passing mentioned a few Democrats, but I cannot count the number of times I've heard President Biden say we're in a battle for the heart and soul of our nation. Let's play that clip again, please. This campaign isn't just about winning votes. It's about winning the heart and, yes, the soul of America. To overcome these challenges, to restore the soul and secure the future of America requires so much more than words. A reminder that we remain in an ongoing battle for the soul of America. I ran for president because I believe we're in a battle for the soul of this nation. We remain in the battle for the soul of our nation. When I look around at all of you here today, I know we'll win that battle. Mm -hmm. Just by bringing that up, and he's been doing that since the campaign. We're in a battle for the soul. That evokes a spiritual connotation. So for you to take the next, next step and say that we rely upon Christ, that we know this is a battle between good and evil, he can get away with it in the eyes of the media. But those who fill in the blanks and realize that, yes, we are in a spiritual battle, they're the ones that the legacy media goes after. Right. Well, they're counting on or they're planning on counting that Americans are going to be bamboozled by their disinformation campaign. But I know from traveling around my district, uh, Americans are not. They're going to lose. I believe they know it and they're desperate. They're name callers. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of scriptures we could use against them, but a tree is known by its fruit and a politician is known by their policies. And, you know, even when I ran against, I had quite a campaign in my primary. Um, I don't look at other humans as my enemy, but I ran against my opponent's record. Votes become policy and policy affects people. And if he wants to talk about um, extremism, look at their policies. Shutting down our energy is going to bring us to our knees. It is propelling China to be the world leader opening our border to crime, fentanyl, all that, transgendering our children. These are things that the American people are not uh, in agreement with, and they're going to lose. You know, I, I, the, the hypocrisy, even in the piece, where they, they call out you and other Republicans for using labeling, as you said earlier, to try to stifle debate. Yeah. And I'm going to quote from this. We're almost up against a break, but I want to quote, objectors differ not only from Democrats, but from their fellow partisans in their willingness to direct followers to more strident right-wing sources, including The Daily Caller, co-founded by Fox News host Tucker Carlson, Breitbart News, once led by the erstwhile Trump strategist Stephen K. Bannon, and then goes on to say the most vocal Trump supporters are also much likelier to link to sites with a reputation for circulating conspiracy theories, including Gateway Pundit and the Epoch Times. You know, they're doing the very thing that they're accusing others of doing, of using devil terms to marginalize individuals. And it, the hypocrisy here is reeking from the New York Times. All right, you hear that music? We're up against a break. When we come back, I want to talk about a report card that has come out that shows America's schools are doing much worse. Now, I'm sure it's because of COVID or global warming, but there might be something else. We're going to have that conversation when we return. Don't go away. 
Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at StandCourageous.com. Welcome back. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. Good to have you with us on this Monday. I'm continuing the conversation with Congresswoman Mary Miller, a stalwart on Capitol Hill, fighting for faith, family, and freedom. So no doubt uh, the left has taken note of that. And so the New York Times decided to, uh, to give her a prominent place in their hit piece yesterday, which she should be proud of. She is a member of the House Education and Labor Committee. She represents the 15th Congressional District of Illinois. All right, um, Mary, the National Assessment of Education Progress, the NAEP, also known as the Nation's Report Card, released its findings for fourth and eighth eighth graders today. Nationally, the average mathematics score for fourth graders fell five points since the last time the test was taken two years ago, while the score for eighth graders dropped eight points. This is the largest drop ever recorded. Now, I'm sure you know, and, and, and the Secretary of Education already blaming COVID, and if it's not COVID, it's climate change. But certainly, I think we should take note of the misplaced emphasis that's happening in public school classrooms. Your thoughts? Well, um, I'm the mom of seven, grandma of 19. I've spent time in public, uh, private, and I home-educated my children. And I can tell you, in all those educational settings, the one um issue I always had was lack of time, time to get to all the important things there were to instruct the children, um, to get, you know, the core subjects mastered, to make sure the kids were mastering those core subjects. Public school is wasting our children's childhood. Our kids are the greatest resource of our country. They are the hope and future of our nation. And this should deeply concern people. Um, The unions are ruining our country. They're ruining our children's education. We need to shut down the Federal Department of Education and return education to where it belongs, to the families being in control and communities. Community schools should be allowed to reflect the values of the community where they are, and parents should be fully engaged in their children's education and the curriculum choices. Now, now Mary, I I know uh, that... The, the COVID pandemic where schools were shut down obviously had an effect. Of course, we had many of the educational unions that you just made reference to were the ones that didn't want to open the schools back up. And so they kept kids isolated and at home. So I, I, I'm certain that that is a factor. So we should be in the, in the makeup process of, you know, trying to catch up for that lost time. 
But this administration seems to be disproportionately focused on sexualizing our kids with all this gender nonsense. And, and quite frankly, it's not nonsense. It's insanity, as opposed to teaching them to to read, to do math. Uh, when does this craziness stop? I mean, how far do we have to go before they realize that they are leading our children down a destructive dead-end path? Well, I it, this is just evil. The way we treat our children shows where we are as a culture. And But the positive thing is the left, the Democrats, the teacher unions that are promoting this have gone too far. People are getting engaged in a way that they never have. I cannot stress to people enough to find out what your kids are learning. Ask to see the curriculum that that your kids are learning from. Um, go to the school and ask to, to visit and run for school board. And I want to encourage people, Hillsdale College has a free course now, how to run for school board. Um, we have got to hold the people that are running the schools accountable. And in the meantime, if you're able, I encourage people to take their kids out of public school. I want public school to be excellent. I don't want to abandon public schools, but it's a dangerous place for your children to be right now. Could not agree more. I do not think we should abandon the schools. I think, uh, you know, believers who feel called should go into our schools as missionaries. Uh, I, I believe that we should run for school board. In fact, uh, FRC Action has a similar uh, resource available for uh, training people to run. We've trained uh, over 1,500 people to run for the school board. Uh, but that said, I do not think we should put our kids in the public schools. Mm-hmm. I think as parents, we are given both the authority and the responsibility to educate our children. We can delegate the authority but we cannot delegate the responsibility. God will hold us accountable for what our children are taught or not taught. And mm-hmm. frankly, given where our public schools are today, for the most part, and I'm speaking generally, our kids would be better off if you just give them a book and set them under a tree as opposed to sending them off to a school where they're being indoctrinated. Or studying a lie. I mean, telling our kids that they came from nowhere, they're not here for any purpose. And I always told, I tell people all the time, you can bias materials two ways, by what you include, and then also by what you choose not to include. And we yes. have kicked God and we have kicked our Judeo-Christian values out of public school. There may be, there's, you know, there's teaching our kids skills, but the bigger life lessons that they need to know about, you know, that have to do with our Judeo-Christian values have been removed from the public school curriculum. And that's a reason in itself to take the kids out. And then the hypersexualizing of our kids is like people run away from it. Take your kids out. My husband and I sacrificed to take our kids out and we have zero regret. And now all of our children are homeschooling their children or making sure they have a Christian education. Yeah, I I, I echo that. Uh, We're very grateful. We've still homeschooling our youngest, but uh, grateful. Uh, for that. My wife's done a great job teaching all of our children. I've been a great principal, but she's been a great teacher. Mary, always great to talk with you. Thanks so much for joining us, and thank you for standing up. We appreciate it. Thank you for what you do. All right, folks, stick around. There's more Washington Watch to come. We're going to be talking about the COVID shot and boosters being recommended for children. That's next. Don't go away. What is biblical masculinity? In our culture of gender confusion, there aren't many examples of godly manhood. Men, husbands, and fathers need to find a model of godly manhood, leadership, and strength. But where can they find it in our culture? Stand Courageous Men's Ministry was created to help men find this model of godly manhood and to develop a strong biblical character, cultivate positive habits, build and rebuild relationships, and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design men who will stand courageous. Join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who understand the issues men face. They unpack our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can make an influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous event near you at standcourageous.com.
With the increase in tech censorship of conservatives and Christians, Family Research Council created a tech subscription platform to be sure we don't go completely dark due to censorship. It is important to us that we stay connected with you and that you stay informed. So if we get canceled, you can still access updates on faith, family, and freedom. How? Just text STAND to 67742 to sign up for our text alerts and you will get FRC's content straight to your phone. Again, just text STAND to 67742 and you will get alerts on the biggest stories of the day. With just a simple text, always have access to our content and stay informed and connected with like-minded community. Text STAND to 67742. That's STAND to 67742. Are you a university student? Do you know a university student, specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to positively influence public policy and the culture? Look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that has prepared and equipped students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview training, students will grow in personal and professional development. Interns have the opportunity to work in policy, communications, event planning, and more. They will gain real-world experience working directly with our experts who will guide them in pursuing careers of influence so that they can make a difference wherever God calls. This paid internship offers fully funded housing in the heart of downtown D.C., giving you the chance to experience our nation's capital. Visit frc.org internships to apply. Welcome back. I'm Tony Perkins, and this is Washington Watch, the website, TonyPerkins.com. And again, if you're just tuning in, let me remind you, we are in election season. Early voting has already started in many, many states. November the 8th is right around the corner. We have a great resource available for you, a voter guide. This is how it works. It is a personalized voter guide. It will tell you everything that's in your district in most places, some in some states. States, some regions, it's just the federal elections, but in some it goes all the way down to school boards. Here's what you need to do. Text the word GUIDE, G-U-I-D-E, to 67742. You'll get a link, follow the link, put in your address, and within seconds you will have your own personalized voter guide. Again, that's GUIDE to 67742. Okay, I want to go back. I, I didn't get a chance to uh, to, to cover this with Congressman Bishop, and I, and I promised at the top of the program I would. So I, I, I want to go back for those that may have joined us uh, in progress. The president did a forum with six liberal activists. Um, he, he taped it on Friday. It was released yesterday on the White House. One of them was Dylan Mulvaney. Now, this is a, a, a guy who uh, transitioned to a woman, and he asked this question about states that are putting a ban in place on minors getting surgeries that cut off healthy body parts. And this is what the, this is the question in how the president responded. Clip four, please. Do you think states should have a right to ban gender affirming health care? I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that as a moral question and as a legal question. I just think it's wrong. Okay. So he says it's wrong to, to ban them having access to this, what they call gender-affirming health care. Well, let me go back to June when the president um, had an event in the White House. This is June the 15th. This was an executive order that he signed that prohibits, prohibits access to certain practices, talk counseling. Now, they want to call it conversion therapy. What it is it's talk counseling. It's, it's going to a counselor that can help you work through gender dysphoria. In fact, several states with Democratic leaders have made it illegal, even for adults, to have access to this type of health care. Play clip number six. My order, my order will use the full force of the federal government to prevent inhumane practices of conversion therapy. This is the first time... This is the first time 
The federal government is leading a coordinated response against this dangerous, discredited practice. This has nothing to do about caring for individuals. This is all about a political agenda. And, and I just want to play um, this clip because I think it's instructive. This was a, this going back to his forum that he did. Uh, this is another statement that he made that I thought was interesting. Clip number five. In some states, I won't get into the politics of it, but in some states, it's just, it's outrageous. And I think it's immoral. The trans part's not immoral. What they're trying to do to trans persons is immoral. So why did he have to say that? That, well, not the trans part. That's not immoral. Is it because the vast majority of people think it is? that what we're doing is immoral, it's wrong? Could that be why? That he still has a little bit of a conscience left? I don't know. Okay, I'm going to move on. A, um, and we talked about this a little bit last week, but I want to go a little deeper into it. A Centers for Disease Control Advisory Committee last week voted unanimously to add the COVID shot and boosters to the recommended immunization schedule for children six months and older. We now wait for the CDC to decide whether to implement this advice, but it's, it's fully expected to do just that. Now, to be clear, this is not a shot mandate. Only state and local governments can impose those. But we've seen blue cities and states using CDC guidance to basically rubber stamp uh, the extreme COVID measures throughout the pandemic. And there can be zero doubt that the Biden administration will then force as many states as possible uh, to require the COVID vaccine in any government program, may tie strings to the funding, who knows. But as further information on the pandemic becomes known, particularly the minuscule death rate for all people under the age of 70, how should parents respond to this? With me now to talk about this and more is Dr. Robert Malone. He's Chief Medical and Regulatory Officer for the Unity Project and an internationally recognized physician scientist who specializes in advanced development of medical countermeasures to infectious diseases. Dr. Malone, welcome back to the program. Hi, Tony. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to be here. Let me first ask you your reaction to the CDC vote last week. Are you surprised at all? I'm sorry to say I'm not. Uh, I'm surprised that there were no people of conscience there, that the vote was twice unanimous. Uh, I think that that it shows a, a personally, I think that this demonstrates the profound corruption and capture of both FDA and CDC that we've observed all the way through the COVID crisis. And this is perhaps the most egregious example of that. So, Dr. Malone, before we get into the substance, I just want to be clear, because there's been a lot of um, stuff said last week about the process, how it was misinterpreted. Just walk us quickly through the process for a CDC recommendation. What was done last week? What are the next steps? The way this works is that you first need a recommendation by the FDA and allowance. And, and it's important to remember that in this age cohort, what we're talking about are products which are currently still experimental. They are under emergency use authorization. They are not licensed products. None of us have ever seen anything like this in the past. Uh, but the normal process is that one has a uh, meeting of the uh, Vaccine-Related Biologics Advisory Committee. That's the external uh, independent reviewers at the FDA the take up a topic area, then they make a recommendation. That recommendation is approved or disapproved by the uh, uh, relevant director of the FDA. Then for vaccines, it goes to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. And we already had a statement from Rochelle Walensky at the CDC endorsing this, these products to be used. These are the boosters for children down to five. But that, that, that's not the normal situation. Usually the director of the CDC awaits the Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices, that's the ACIP, which is ostensibly an independent organization or group of individuals which provide consultation to the CDC, 
but uh, typically have a lot of deep input from the vaccine manufacturers. A lot of this vaccine manufacturer input occurs behind the scenes in closed meetings prior to the open ACIP meeting. At the ACIP meeting, they are, uh, it's basically a, a small convention of representatives of all of the medical professional societies as an outside ring, and then an inside ring of individuals that have been appointed ostensibly because they have both expertise and no conflicts of interest. Uh, one of these members, for instance, in this case, they all, they all declared no conflict of interest. One of them happens to be the wife of one of the lead researchers on this infamous Boston University gain-of-function study. So uh, these individuals meet, have an advisory uh, vote after receiving various information and presentations, typically from uh, CDC officers as well as from industry representatives. In this case, they did not have the usual CDC scientists making the presentation, but rather had a press officer make the presentation. It was quite superficial. And then we had a unanimous vote, uh, 15 to 0, uh, both to recommend it for children and then to recommend it being placed on the schedule. What that does is it automatically triggers a purchase of vaccines for uh, the Vaccines for Children program and distribution nationwide, and it typically establishes the standard of care nationwide because you have all of the various medical societies sitting in that outer tier uh, surrounding the inner ACIP group that will mm -hmm. uh, comment and concur then this basically becomes standard of care for children. And once it's established as a national standard of care, then it gets very hard for individual states or school districts to go against that. And typically that rolls straight into uh, the various federally funded vaccine programs, et cetera. So technically it's not a mandate, but in effect uh, it becomes a, a mandate Yes. By the it's, way, the government rolls it out because yeah. so it goes back in this when it triggers for the for the children's vaccination program, which is for free. Those are provided free for certain uh, children. Uh, I would I object to level. that. It's not for free. You and I pay for it. Well, I, I understand. Only, but one of the only programs that basically bypasses congressional appropriation and goes straight from a committee to a government bureaucrat um, and then uh, there's an acquisition and distribution using uh, federal funds. But that becomes oversight. that kind of sets the norm. That kind of sets the norm. Absolutely. So, OK, that was my point. So let me let me bring up a couple of points that you brought up. Um, you said that there were no CDC scientists that were there. Now, if correct me, no, if I'm, I, wrong, I'm sorry, but if, I, I what I spoke of was the presentation. The presentations yeah, okay, okay. were made, yeah, we're not, usually the presentations yeah. are made by seasoned CDC uh, right. scientists. So my question was, if I were, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I, wasn't it last year that you had CDC, you had career individuals that resigned over the way uh, this vaccination was being pushed out? No, it was actually the FDA. Um, those were two senior okay. people in the vaccines branch at FDA that basically conscientiously objected. I think they're the only people in the whole federal government to date that have taken a, a clear and unequivocal position. I would rather resign than go along with this. Everybody else has pretty much rolled over. All right. And then you said that this is still this vaccine is still experimental. So. Right. I have to ask this question. Are there no standards by which we adopt these vaccines, uh, these shots, making them, you know, in effect mandated? I mean, don't we wait to get the science? In the past, uh, this has become what we are seeing now, my friend, is the culmination of decades of kind of incremental loosening of norms in the vaccine space and and functionally the capture of the entire process, including the ACIP, by the interests of the large vaccine manufacturers. And uh, your point is well taken. It's my principal objection here is that the standards and norms, regulatory norms and clinical development norms that have been in place for decades globally by treaty 
have been wholesale disregarded. They've been thrown out. And we now know, based on the New York Times article in February and the two uh, administrative state reports that came out about the CDC, that the CDC has been withholding data and it has been weaponized for political purposes. The CDC is functionally a political office now uh, of the executive branch. It is no longer an independent arbiter of public health and uh, scientific truth. So, Dr. Malone, uh, all right, if, if, if people were falling over dead because of COVID, if we were like in that first wave that came back in the early 2020 where it was really significant, we didn't know what we were dealing with. But now we're, we're two years removed from that, and we, we now see that children in particular, in fact, anybody under the age of 70 really is okay if they get this, these uh, recent strains of COVID. What's the urgency to push this forward, why not wait for the scientific evidence to come in and study this thoroughly? It's a mystery to me, and I've said repeatedly, as does as has the groups that I represent, going back to May 11th, there is no public health emergency. There is no logic that we can see from a medical scientific standpoint to continue the medical emergency that has repeatedly been declared by the White House and which the legislature has refused to act on to rescind. The House and the Senate have the authority to rescind this declaration of emergency, medical emergency, which is what allows all of these these policies and basically bypassing significant aspects of the Bill of Rights to proceed. It is all based on this declaration of medical emergency, and there absolutely is no medical emergency, particularly in the case of COVID. Furthermore, the data from all over the world are increasingly demonstrating that the multiply inoculated particularly those with these uh, bivalent, quote, booster shots, um, are actually at higher risk for uh, hospitalization and death than those that are naturally immune, for instance, which is the vast majority of us have already been infected at least right. once. Right. I've had it, had it twice. Um, Me too. I've got the antibodies. I'm good to go. Uh, very quickly, we only got 30 seconds left, but are you concerned about where this might lead beyond COVID? Absolutely. And uh, I'm here with Children's Health Defense in Knoxville at their conference, and many of us are speaking about our deep concerns. This, uh, what we've had revealed is really uh, a window into a compromised agency that has dual functions, support of the industry and regulation of the industry. And uh, the support of the industry, of the pharmaceutical industry, has clearly overwhelmed the regulatory aspects throughout HHS, and we have a problem. Frightening. Uh, Dr. Malone, great to talk with you. We're going to have to talk again, but we're out of time for today. Good to see you. Thank you so much. Folks, good to have you as well, but we are out of time. So until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, prepared, and taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.